Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship. You can get all the details. If you got something cool working with V6, we definitely want to hear about it. <laughs> Come join us on the IPv6 Buzz. Uh, I'm Ed Horley with my co-host, Tom Coffey and Scott Hogue. And today we're going to be talking about sort of uh, strategies around V6 allocation requests to... Um, to RIRs and, and specifically Aaron, because that's what we mainly deal with. <laughs> so maybe we can talk uh, a little bit about uh, some of our recent experience, I think, just to give the audience uh, an opportunity to to get some learning from from what we've sort of seen in some of the uh, with some of the customers that we work with on a, on a regular basis and sort of what their experiences have been and uh, and sort of figuring out the right size allocation for their organization and uh, whether they can actually get that from Aaron or not. <laughs> Is that fair? I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's something about uh, the contrasting of size of the default allocations that are in the community guidelines versus like maybe what you should really be requesting. I guess that's gets to the crux of it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, we, we talked about this back in, uh, I believe it was episode 82. Yeah. yeah, dug into some of the details around IPv6 allocations and, you know, how to get one and what size they should be and ripe starting to allocate to slash 29s to, to enterprises and really sort of treating them more like LIRs. So you kind of have to pull the lens back and, and look at sort of how Aaron looks at allocation requests that come in and whether to categorize them as end user requests or you know, service provider requests you know, recognizing that service providers are going to do their own sub allocations of the space that they hand out. Well, let's dig into that because, because yeah. I don't, maybe the audience doesn't necessarily understand that the nuance or difference between the two of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Definitely. In terms of like what the purpose is. And I think maybe the lines are blurring a little bit about what's going on there, uh, which is part of the reason why I think maybe there's a difference in how Aaron is thinking about allocating address space, but yeah, and I think I some of it's tied mm -hmm. to like how things were handled in V4 for the longest time. And, you know, obviously the resource constraints are very different with V4, but, the, you know, the basic breakdown is if you, you start at the top level where IANA is handing out, you know, the, the overall blocks of IPv4 and IPv6 that then get sort of sub-delegated by or sub-assigned by the regional internet registries. And historically that's been okay, uh, I'm an end user and I'm a, you know, that would generally be a, a pretty large entity of some sort, some enterprise or, you know, a, a government agency or something, something that had, a, you know, basically a lot of networks that needed a lot of IP addressing and, uh, and they would be allocated uh, something directly from Aaron or one of the other regional internet registries, depending on where that network, those, you know, collection of networks was. And so that's a scenario where, you know, the, there are requirements behind that where you have to, we talked about this in the previous episode uh, about allocations, but there are requirements that, you know, you have to be multi-homed. So if you're, you're actually going to get an, an IPv4, IPv6 allocation issued directly by one of the regional internet registries, the chances are that you were connected to more than one provider. Uh, it was like right. a ba basic requirement, but something sort of shifted related to, I, this is sort of thinking around IPv4 and IPv6, it obviously shifted with IPv6, but some of the policies sort of stayed in place, at least initially, to, to keep that basic breakdown in, in place. And, and that sort of shifted over time where, uh, you know, because of the abundance of the, of the resource, uh, it became feasible to, uh, for, you know, the regional internet registry to consider handing out those IPv6 allocations 
directly to uh, to agencies or enterprises that in the past would have gotten those from service providers. So when Aaron, you know, the other allocations that Aaron would make would be to the service providers that would then subdelegate out those those assignments. You know, you can you can be an entity that's needs a address space and is going directly to Aaron to get that that resource. And and of course that's that's been in place for a while, but sort of what's what's changed recently is just sort of how uh, you know, I think how the regional internet registries in general are thinking about how that that IPv6 resource should be allocated and and what sort of constraints should be placed on that, and and I think some of the the shift in thinking has to do with the fact that you know the resource is so abundant and that you know there there are uh, certainly advantages from the the regional internet internet registries perspective about preventing things like disaggregation in the global routing table. Uh, just reducing the amount of the overall number of routes that, you know, if, if you hand out too small of an allocation to an entity that has a lot of networks and they start having to do a lot of subnetting and, you know, taking that allocation and carving it up in order to, uh, you know, meet their their internal topological structure, you know, and, and sort of if they're doing that with the like moving away from nibble boundaries to do that, then you just end up with a lot of, you know, prefix disaggregation. And so there's a benefit to the regional internet registries. Well, yeah, to, to bring it back, I mean, even the regional internet registries early on, we're probably doing some IPv4 thinking, like you've mentioned, Tom, where we didn't want to repeat the same mistakes of IPv4 when we gave out class A, class, you know, class mm -hmm. B, class C, at, you know, back in the day when it was classful and we, and gave out lots of class A's and didn't have enough. And so I think the early on, a decade or more ago, regional internet registries didn't want to make the same mistake of giving out too much IPv6. So they probably erred on the side of caution, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a little IPv4 thinking there of, well, this is a, a scarce resource or we need to be, you know, judicious with how much we allocate. And so the policies really aligned with that, like you really have to justify how much, or they were just some standard prefix lengths that were, that were used. Oh, service providers get a 32, enterprises get a 48. And then later it was adjusted to, oh, you get a 48 per site. Well, now, like you were talking about, now the pendulum has swung back the other way where we realize we're not in any danger of repeating the mistakes of the past. We want to give organizations, service providers, enterprises, LIRs, the amount they need for the foreseeable future and not have them have to come back again and again and then have non-contiguous pre you know, prefix lengths. So yeah, don't wanna wanna avoid IPv4 thinking like we did years ago. Yeah, I th I think the other part of it is that I, and I and you know, this this is just one of those things that's just hard to avoid, but when you look at the overall address space and realizing a 64, but you still think about how much, you know, how many addresses it's like man, the number of addresses isn't important anymore. It's the number of networks that you want to operate. And when you break it down that way and stop thinking of the 128 and start thinking about a slash 64 instead, and then think about how you want to design networks to accommodate all sort of the new architectures that are coming out to be inclusive around, you know, cloud and bring mm -hmm. your own, IP address space and IoT and everything else, and you start stacking all that stuff up, I think it becomes problematic with some of the original maybe assumptions that were made about how many networks a corporation would operate mm -hmm. or, or have within their boundaries to operate. 
And many organizations, even at, at mid-size, may not do the same sort of peering that a service provider or a large enterprise would do and may not necessarily meet those sets of requirements, but run a pretty big size network and want to run the address space for themselves in a contiguous way mm-hmm. for policy reasons or anything else. So I think it's, I think they're trying to be a little bit more flexible to account for those sorts of requirements. Like what if you're born in the cloud shop, but you want to have your own address space? What do you yeah. do? Like you, yeah. you literally don't have multiple internet period. You're like, we're only going to be in whatever AWS, but we want to run our own address space and we want something significantly large enough to do bring your own address. So we have our reputation behind it, right? Yeah. I mean, with IPv4, we think about the number of hosts on the network to allocate the size of, of, you know, the subnet to that network. With IPv6, we remove that. We stop thinking about the hosts. And you said, we start thinking about the number of networks. Well, I think we're seeing a shift of, towards, don't even count the number of networks. Create, count the number of simple, like, architecture principles. And you know you'll have plenty of networks. So focus on simplicity of an architecture over counting even the number of networks, much less not even counting the number of nodes on any network. Don't worry about counting the number of networks even. Yeah, and that, and that, so then we go, we've kind of like come full circle then to the back to the classful addressing model, right? Mm-hmm. So if, and because to characterize that like more specifically, more technically, uh, what does that look like in your uh, allocation and in your overall address plan? Well, that's that's keeping things aligned along nimble boundaries. And so, you know, it, it's it, it's the 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 territory that you get into when you start to subnet by individual bits, and then you end up with uh, you know lots of uh, smaller prefixes in the routing table, and and you know, and that's fine if you're used to looking at, you know, you're used to your router jock and you're used to looking at, uh, you know, here's a, here's an entry in a routing table and I can look at the cider length and figure out, you know, exactly what prefix I'm looking at and where it lives and how it's routed, et cetera, et cetera. However, that's not necessarily all that helpful and advantageous from a larger sort of administrative and operational perspective in terms of provisioning, you know, the, the prefix that, that, uh, you know, goes into that particular configuration mm-hmm tracking it, uh, troubleshooting it. If you, you happen to run into an issue and, and you, you know, you have, uh, you end up looking at a routing table that has a lot of like different size, little prefixes that are subnetted by bits, uh, you know, where the actual hexadecimal characters don't line up on that, on that, you know, hexadecimal edge, that four bit edge that gives a prefix, like a very specific, unambiguous, assignment and there is a there is a simplifying function there there is a, a you know a reduction of complexity that that you you know is there potentially to take advantage of but it's it's really hard to get engineers and network architects to think in in a way where they they give themselves permission to do that and that's what where this topic we were talking about today where the regional internet registries they're actually kind of forward thinking here in terms of you know like let's let's think about uh, you know, an enterprise, a large uh, enterprise with a, lot of, with a lot of networks. Let's think about it more like an LIR. Let's think about it more like, a, or a local internet registry, or like a service provider, where that that overall entity of the the enterprise is like treating its own internal networks like essentially customers. And so, you know, when I take a site and I have a 48 assigned to that site because that's you know it's more or less what I've, I've read in the RFC, or that's you know what's in the number resource policy manual for Aaron, of what a site gets allocated. You do that assignment at the at the forty eight level, and then 
if you're thinking like an LIR or a service provider, like that site is my customer and you know, I'm, I'm going to assign it a slash 48. Well, what if down the road that particular site ends up needing more than a slash 48? And so that's the moment where the, you know, the, the IPv4 thinking network architecture engineer is like, whoa, how could it possibly need more than a slash 48? And it's like, well, let's just say for the sake of argument, I can create some benefit to the way in which that I, I'm, I'm assigning that address space and managing that network by simply adding another 48 to that site. Mm -hmm. And then if I can do that with a contiguous block that can then be summarized up, whether that's on a nibble boundary or not, I have some benefit of like reducing the overall size of the routing table and also not having creating like complex ACL entries, everything can be like sort of summarized, but I can only do that if I have contiguous space in reserve. And so that means I have to start thinking about, well, what is, you know, I have a 48 assigned to that site, but you know, what if I go ahead and reserve a slash 44, give myself 16 slash 48s to use for that site going forward. So whatever growth happens, you know, organically, mm -hmm. uh, I can support that in the same way that a service provider would support one of its custom, one of its downstream customers by leaving that address space in reserve. And so that whole model is just a real shift in thinking. And I think that's kind of what we wanted to talk about, you know, specifically on this episode just to say, I think the, the regional internet registries are tuned into that kind of shift in thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so if, if you're making an allocation request from one of the regional internet registries, uh, it, it is, it is kind of a large shift if you're used to just sort of thinking in an enterprise mode where it's like, well, I have a bunch of on-premises networks and, you know, I'm going to, I'm essentially an end user and I'm going to think about just sites in terms of, you know, the number of sites that I have and how many slash 48s I need, you know, as opposed to, okay, if I think more like an LIR, what is my largest serving site and, and how many, uh, networks does that require? How many prefixes does that require? And then I'm going to size everything else that is in the same sort of, you know, functional category with the same prefix size, you know, and that's the moment where you're like, okay, well, if I do that, then everything shifts to the left in terms of the number of nibbles I need. And now I go from needing, say, starting out needing a slash 36 to a slash 32, or if I was already at a slash 32, then I'm moving up to a slash 28. So it, it is, it is kind of a shift in, 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 in the nibble math and in the thinking that goes into it. I think that's a really good point because not only has the shift in thinking around sort of the overall allocation, I think there's a different strategy too in terms of like even dealing with um, uh, the overall larger set of allocation of like maybe doing things like uh, maybe leveraging sparse allocation versus like sequential or something like that and, and, and using that space to, to sort of, you know, <laughs> hold stuff in reserve in a slightly different way than maybe, than maybe maybe a traditional enterprise really would. What I would encourage everyone, you know, listening, the, the listeners to, to think about is maybe I need to be thinking more critically about what makes sense for us. And then putting that down on paper from an argument basis of say, sort of saying like, yeah, well, we understand a 48 is, 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 is a site allocation, but maybe it makes sense to do a 44. Um, and that makes sense for our organization based off of you know, some security requirements or overlay requirements or potential growth for a particular given site. And I don't want to deal with building, you know, extra large, large, medium, small, extra small, right? <laughs> site designs. I just want one design for a site, right? So all of them are going to get that. So I don't have to worry about it and everything becomes consistent, which is like what Tom mentioned in terms of sort of sizing everything out. So I think when you take that strategy, it really starts pushing things to the left a lot more, more so than what's in the default sort of community guideline recommendations. 
Yeah. I think that's, and, and it seems like from the recent, our, at least our recent experience of working with orgs to sort of make those requests and sort of shift that way, that they're very open to, to that concept of, of approving and allocating that way. We just wanted to talk about it because we just noticed a shift, right? Yeah. That was the biggest thing. Um, and we just wanted to sort of share that out there. Hey, take the time and write, write up an actual allocation request. Don't necessarily take the defaults. Us as network engineers, we just want to avoid future generations cursing our names in vain. <laughs> Why didn't they do the, do the analysis? And I think doing the analysis now makes sense. Yeah, your future self will help, will will thank you, <laughs> or, or some other future uh, network engineer will thank you and be like, "Oh, thank God they they gave us a forty four because we need to up this particular site from a forty eight to an additional forty eight because of X Y Z reason." Yeah, thank thankfully they did the analysis. Oh, and they wrote down their logic, you know, about why they chose a certain amount, and and they didn't just take the default because we because our organization is unique in these ways. Right. Mm-hmm. If the result of that is that you discover that you've gone down this path of like basically making prefixes smaller for the sake of sizing things out of a sort of, you know, worry about not, you know, not setting aside too much space that doesn't get used, then, you know, you may end up with when you, when you look at the page and you see, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a lot of these prefix blocks that I've assigned that are, you know, not on nibble boundaries. And I've done that because it makes me uncomfortable to realize, you know, to think about the fact that if I go from, you know, one, one to two nibbles, isn't, isn't so, so, uh, trauma inducing. Cause you're talking about, you know, one to 16 resources in terms of the number of prefixes that when you go from two, you know, two to three nibbles, and now you're going, you know, from 16 all the way up to 256. And do I have fewer of whatever these entities that I'm numbering into fewer than 256, and then when you go to three nibbles and it's 256 to 4096, you know, if you're trying to keep things on nibble boundaries, you, you, you really do end up sort of in the space where it's like, there's a lot of space in between here that I'm, you know, that's not getting used. It, you know, it really does sort of pr- provoke an IPv4 thinking sort of reaction. IPv4 freak out. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, and so, and so the, then, then it's like, okay, that's one direction I can go. And like, 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 let's see what happens if I try to keep everything on nibble boundaries. And I, I try to keep the entity assignments, you know, according to the, the function or the, the location that they're at, I keep all of those consistent. And I don't worry too much if I have like, you know, more thing, more networks at this side and fewer networks at this other side from an administrative standpoint, you know, let me try the, the experiment of everything getting the same size allocation. Mm-hmm. And then let me think about what that site's going to do over the next five to 10 to 15 years. You know, as you point out, uh, IOT is uh, security overlays, um, potential routing overlays, um, you know, depending on the type of site, if it's a data center site or a campus land site, um, any of these, you know, additional network overlays that could come down the pike that you'd have to number into. And then the question becomes, well, I can all, you know, or, or rather one of the responses becomes, I can always just add more prefixes that aren't contiguous with what I've already assigned there. You know, we can do, we do that all the time in IPv4 because we have to, but then we look at our routing tables and we look at our ACL entries and it's, it's, you know, usually a pretty complicated, messy scenario. Mm -hmm. We will eventually get there with IPv6. I, I would hope that we don't 
get there prematurely because we're making these decisions based on the idea of trying to size everything to where our networks are at today and and you know bringing that ipv4 thinking to that exercise that you know when the rear itself is is making the shift in policy to allow you to think about the network differently and to size it you know at at a much larger scale that gives you administrative flexibility and ease and and operational flexibility and ease and to take advantage of that. Uh, so well, I don't know. That's yeah. my two I, cents. I, I think it's important to remind folks that works both growing your network up. So given sight that, you know, adds more buildings, adds an additional campus, like you're, you're growing up. It also means the reverse too. Like you should be perfectly okay. That it's growing from a, you know, two forty eights and then it gets down to a 48 mm -hmm. and then your site need requirements are 52 and then there are 56 and then there are 64. Like yeah. it's designed to go both directions, yeah, not just right. one yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's I designed to go both. It's human nature to try and over-engineer things or or paint the entire canvas, right? You right. can you can leave some gesso showing. It's okay. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to paint all the happy little trees, like Bob Ross says. You, you can just not paint some happy little trees. And there's and you know there's a canvas in the future for happy little trees that might occur later you don't have to force them all on the canvas right away right you know that's leave, right yeah. leave some gesso i guess that's <laughs> <laughs> show your gesso that's right all right i don't know Did, is that a good stopping point is that a good is, it, is that a good pause point for for this one i think we i think we sort of covered it we just wanted we just really wanted everyone to take that time take the consideration in think about doing more than just taking defaults really think about what your what your need requirements are and then going through uh, you know some proper work and analysis and 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 probably probably asking for more space than you think about naturally and then uh, take your number and double it <laughs> <laughs> well hey unlike these six we've run out of allocation space for this podcast <laughs> you can reach the ipv6 buzz podcast on twitter we're at ipv6 buzz you can also hit up each one of us on twitter uh tom is at ipv6 tom scott is at scott hogue and i'm at e horley Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. And if you like this podcast, we really recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, Network Break, uh, and all the other great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.